heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. This is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Friday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, yes, another fun-filled episode. I am your humble host, and for about the next half hour or so, strap in, folks, because you are in for a masterclass in the art of asking great questions. Now, yes, yesterday you heard about the art of being different, but today we're going to figure out how to ask great questions as we are joined by the sales legend that he is, one Tim Wackel from the Wackel Group, who's joined the program to teach you, and frankly to teach me, how to ask great questions. So without further ado, on to the show, Tim Wackel here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us here on today's episode. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I had mentioned to you when I had first reached out, I really enjoyed your section in Brandon Bernanson's book, Sales Secrets, and it was focused on the art of asking great questions, which, as any person in sales knows, that is one of the secrets to be a, a very successful salesperson. But I also find it's a great secret to be great in politics, specifically reaching people where they're at on the issues they care about. But before we get there, let's go ahead and go back to uh, the battle card. So Tim, I would love the opportunity for you to introduce yourself to the, the audience and kind of go through how you found yourself in this sales world where you're helping people figure out how to ask these great questions. Well, that's uh, thank you, Brian. So I'm kind of an accidental salesperson. Um, when I got out of college, I actually graduated with an electrical engineering degree and um, had many different opportunities to go do electrical engineering work that 
one organization uh, thought that, you know, I'd probably be an okay engineer, but that I might have more potential as a technical sales rep. And that company was HP. So uh, I had the very good fortune of spending the first 20 years of my career working uh, for HP, really learning firsthand kind of the blocking and tackling of being really good at sales. Um, you know, and they were longer sales cycles and they were real strategic and, you know, you had to connect with people and ask the right kinds of questions and present really complex information in really powerful and meaningful ways. And so um, that's where I spent my first 20 years. And then the last 20 years, Brian, I, I just kind of decided I wanted to kind of go out on my own and uh, fix sales call. And, and I haven't found it yet. I, I've seen some and I've had some that were pretty good, but I'm still looking for that perfect sales call. In pursuit of the perfect sales call, it's funny, you know, let's let's talk about my day job for a hot sec. I find myself leading a sales team here in the uh, greater telecommunications cybersecurity world. I, I get it, the long sales cycle, and it really, you have to put in a lot of time, energy, and effort, but also build those relationships. But you go back, how do all these conversations start? Now, I hear all the time, I, I never answer my phone. I never do that anymore. And I go back and I, I forget who I you know who it was. I was listening to uh, Victor Antonio and the, the stat that blew me away. It was like 88% of all C-level executives said that any uh, solution that they put in place that started with a salesperson started with a cold call. Um, oh, wow. Isn't wow. that crazy? And, That's and crazy. We see that, though. And you you mentioned it. You you don't know maybe how to put it into words, but you know it when you see it. Kind of dig into that, Tim. What What is it that we feel? when we feel we're having a really good sales call, whether you're the recipient or you're the person delivering? Well, I think, um, you know, Brian, there's a connection there. Um, you know, the person that is interrupting your day, let's assume it's a cold call. The person that is interrupting your day um, does so uh, with a level of professionalism um, and maybe a level of humor, self-deprecating humor that you're like, okay, listen, I'll give you 15 seconds. You can explain the purpose of your call and then we'll decide, you know, where to go from there. Um, but I always feel like there's, there's, there's an immediate connection and more often than not, um, and this gets back to the topic at a hand, the connection doesn't happen because of stuff that the salesperson is saying. I think the connection happens through the stuff the salesperson is asking. I mean, I, I, sometimes we get confused and we think we demonstrate our brilliance through what we say. I really think you demonstrate your brilliance through what you ask and how you ask it um, because you've got to really kind of have your head around it if you're going to ask the right kinds of questions. And when somebody asks me the right question the right way, I'm like, whoa, 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 have you have you tried riding this pony before? Because you seem to be experiencing the same bumps and bruises that I am. And so that connection happens and the conversation has a chance of moving forward. I, oh man, I, that resonates so much, Tim, because as an interviewer, one of the biggest compliments one can receive is, Ooh, I like that question. I've never gotten that question before. And I get goosebumps when somebody says that because I, I say, yes, I know that I've, I've hit something that not only is something they care about, but I can almost guarantee it's going to give them a chance to kind of go off on something that they not only care about, that they can really dig into and show and bring value to the table. So I love hearing when people say that's a great question and back to a salesperson, you also love to hear that as well. If somebody kind of leans back and says, hmm, let me think about that for a second. You know they're pondering. You know there's something there, right? So what I would love to hear maybe some stories of just in your experience, those perfect sales calls. Can you give us kind of an example of maybe one you've received? You know, um, 
there's not very many of them that I've received. But when I receive them, Brian, the person on the other end of the phone um, has done their homework. Uh, and, 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 and the process looks like this. And this is kind of the process I teach salespeople. Uh, number one, you got to have a list. Right. If you don't have a targeted list of people you're trying to have conversations with each and every day, your children are going to get to be really, really skinny because all you're doing is answering the phone and you can answer the phone and sell things reactively and you probably make a decent living. But what if you could answer the phone, sell things reactively, but also proactively be reaching out to people? So perfect sales call. I was on somebody's list. The second step is now just you got a list. That's great. But now you have to have a sales story. If I'm going to reach out to you via the phone, if I'm going to reach out to you via uh, email, if I'm going to reach out to you via uh, social media, I, I, I got to tell you a story that gets you to say, hmm, that's interesting. I'd like to learn more. So the perfect sales call, I'm on the list. The sales rep will leave me their sales story, which is a very brief, you know, 12 to 20 second kind of, hey, this is what we do. And this is why I think you'd be interested. But you can't be a one and a done, right? If, if I was really looking for what you just offered me, I probably would, would have already had a conversation with you. So you're kind of you're, – you're not hitting the bullseye, but you're on the target, right? You're in the right zip code. Um, and so I love salespeople that really understand uh, the art of professional follow-up, right? And, and follow-up is not just banging it every day and, hey, I'm calling to check in or I'm calling to touch base, uh, nobody needs you to check in. And quite frankly, I'd rather you don't touch my face. <laughs> but can you, in a very professional way, um, try to try to nurture me, try to warm me up to this idea of having a conversation? And then, you know, at the end of the day, Brian, when you finally have that conversation, man, don't 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 whip me to death with your tongue. I, I really don't want to hear all about you and how great you are and how wonderful your solution is and all the people are doing business with you. I want to hear, hey, listen. Uh, I think we might be a good fit, but I'm not going to know more until I ask you uh, some really, really important questions. Would it be okay if I let off by asking you some questions? And once once we're going down that path, like you said, if I'm on the other end, I'm going, wow, you know, that's a great question. Or, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. Or I'm actually having to pause and formulate a response to your question. Guess what? Nobody else has asked me that question. Bravo. You're doing a really good job. I love the the comment you made. I put, I put a note here. The art of the professional follow-up. There's two things you're saying in that. Number one, and you, you mentioned it beforehand, is that there does have to be that nurturing campaign without being an overt nurturing campaign. How can I keep you in my world without it being aggressive? But right. more so, so you still see that I'm there. Is it the comments on the posts that I'm doing? Is the, the, you know, the quick, hey, I just saw this poll and it made me think of you. Fire it over into your inbox. But also, and you say in the art of the professional follow-up, in the word, it's in, in the, the expression itself, the follow-up, it's implying that a sale isn't always made every single time you engage into a conversation. And that's okay. You, you mentioned this beforehand. It's okay when I might be in the ballpark, but if I'm not in the ballpark, then I shouldn't be wasting my time. I, I also wouldn't want to waste yours. So right. I think there's almost that understanding of mutual respect saying, hey, I'm not going to try to fit a square peg through a round hole. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. And so long as it's not you know, the, the traditional easy objections that not only I think we should be trying to be able to overcome, but maybe block entirely just in the way that we're presenting our solutions and the questions we're asking. So um, with all that being said, Tim, I would love to kind of go through when you're going out and you're meeting with businesses, and let's say they're, they're sales, uh, they're just, they're having 
some struggling in terms of not only getting new uh, new leads coming in and actually converting those into uh, closed business and, and not even closed business. We'll, we'll get rid of the word closed. I don't like the word okay. closed. Get just real business, you know, that client relationship. But they're having trouble also upselling those existing clients to be able to help grow their accounts. What would be some of the first things you do when you take a step into a company? Well, the first thing I want to do is I kind of want to see what, you know, what what is a day, what is a typical day in a life of a salesperson look like, right? And whether they're doing things virtually or whether they're doing things toe-to-toe, doesn't matter to me. I want to see uh, what does their day look like. It, it, and so it kind of goes back to, Brian, do they have a targeted list? Do they know who they should be having conversations with? Okay, good, you got a targeted list. Do they have a compelling sell story? Um, and most sell stories I hear are not very compelling. They're not very interesting. They're not very intriguing. They, I, they're just like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, nope, don't have time for that. Um, then the next thing I'm looking for is, okay, show me what your follow-up sequence looks like. Show me what your cadence is. Show me how many touches. Show me what different mediums you're using. Show me the kinds of messages that you're launching. And then if, if all of those things are in place, then it's like, okay, let's look at the art of the dialogue, the art of asking questions, the art of actually being prepared and, and going in there as a problem solver. And that word gets thrown around a lot. But when I label myself a problem solver and I show up and I ask about needs, budget, time frame, fit, and decision-making process, that smells like a salesperson talking. That does not smell like a problem solver, right? Problem solvers ask questions about the problems, not questions about the selling. Um, I've always believed that if you can solve the problem, the sale will happen naturally. People that try to force the sale, are forgetting the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, there's got to be either a problem or an opportunity that the customer uh, wants to do something about. Tim, you mentioned the compelling sell story, and you've said that a couple of times. Could you give us a couple of examples of some companies or or maybe, uh, I don't know if you can give specific names, just entities that you've worked with in the past that had some pretty compelling sales stories. So can we have some examples to refer to? Here's what I can tell you. Let, let me tell you what uh, what that's hard to do. Um, but what I can do is I can tell you what a compelling sales story has in it. Would that be fair? Perfect. That's perfect. So uh, the first element we're looking for, Brian, is the compelling sales story uh, needs to connect with the listener. So in other words, when, when I'm out looking for new business, I have to be able to say, Brian, you know what? I work with sales executives like yourself, or I work with business owners just like yourself, or I work with training enablement managers just like yourself. In other words, that person on the other end wants to wants to hear from me that I work with people just like them. So so first off, we want to make sure we've got the title of that target in there. Hey, I end up, I work with, I specialize in working with blank just like you. The second thing we want to be able to talk about is we want to hear what are some of the specific results you have helped those people achieve? You know, if I show up and I'm like, hey, I've worked with sales executives just like you before, Brian, and I help sales teams sell more. You know, like what sales coach is not going to be able to say that? So I've got to be able to say, look, you know, Brian, I, I specialize in working with sales leaders just like you. And I've helped some organizations actually grow their new business quarter over cover by up to 20%, right? Not a promise, not a contract, not a guarantee, but I've got to have some sort of wow factor. And I'm not giving anybody license to be loose with the facts. And, and, and here's the sad thing, Brian, is when you go to most salespeople and you go, hey, why do customers buy from you? It's they're stumped. It's silence. Like, yeah. What are some of the specific results you've helped some of your key customers achieve? 
right? We're so busy getting the sale that we don't stay involved. We don't understand those results. So the first criteria is, hey, listen, drop that title. I specialize in working with people just like you. Second thing is, these are the kinds of results that, that we've you know, got a history of helping them produce. Um, the third thing you want to be able to talk about is um, the challenges, right? Why aren't they able to get those results on themselves? Why, why have other customers called you? Because you know what? They're not getting those results because these are the challenges that they're facing. So that other party is like, wow, you work with people just like me to get these kinds of results. The reason other customers reach out to you is they have these challenges. The fourth thing we want to drip in there is the emotion. You know, how do people feel about those challenges? I've always said, if your target doesn't think it's a big deal, guess what? It's not a big deal. So I want to work with people who are pressured, concerned, frustrated, scared. Those are the people that are really, really looking for help. Um, The fifth element then would be um, what are the benefits of having a relationship with you and your organization? And the sixth and final element is how are you different than everybody else? So here's what I'm going to tell you. I think, Brian, those are some hard questions to answer. And the funny thing is none of those questions talk about you per se. It's about, it's about them. Hey, I work with people just like you who are looking for these kinds of results. And the reason they call me is they're having these kinds of challenges and, and, and they feel this way about those challenges. And so you, you change the language and the language is not about me, 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 me. That was some sort of character on Sesame street or something, right? (laughs) It's not about me, 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 me. It's about you, you, you. And if you, if your sales story has those elements, you've got a fighting chance of somebody saying, okay, I'll give you five minutes. Tell me a little bit more. What's the old adage? You got to remember you're not trying with the sales store. You're not trying to sell the solution. You're trying to sell the idea of having an initial conversation. A conversation. And that's the right there. That's where we, we especially in the world of politics, too. People yeah. get so lost in being able to actually communicate to the, to the extent they can have a conversation that you end up talking past one another. And I think that really boils into where we see a lot of problems especially in our modern political discourse today. But one of the things, Tim, that you mentioned way back at the beginning was if you can make them laugh. And I think that right there is one of the most underutilized tools in a, any tool uh, salesperson's tool belt because I found in, I would say, probably 90% of all the conversations, whether it's on the phone or even in person, if I can make them laugh, I know I got this because when then we're on a level that's beyond the they're waiting for me to ask that question. When's the sales part start? Now it's more so they're viewing me as instead of the salesperson back to I'm the trusted advisor. I'm the problem solver. Right. And then it, it's not even a matter of me trying to push them to make a decision. It's more so me helping them make a decision that they were already going to be making in the, in the first place. But it all started because I was able to make them laugh. We were able to establish that connection I think that's something that's completely under discussed a lot in sales. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and you're onto something there. Um, I, I agree with everything you've just said. One of the challenges is that not everybody can pull the humor off. And um, I'm not convinced, and there are probably people out there that would argue with me. I'm not convinced I could teach humor because I think some of the best humor is that non scripted, just spur of the moment my isn't this awkward for both of us kind of thing, right? And and it's it's in the moment where you make some quip, some remark, some observation, and you get that chuckle on the other end. Um, I do a lot of presentation coaching, and I was working with a client last night, and he's working on his hook. His hook is the first 30 seconds, and and he he's come up with this bit 
that I think is going to be very, very funny. And he goes, what do you think? I said, here's the deal. If you deliver that bit in the first 30 seconds and it's funny, your audience is going to laugh which means you're going to laugh because you're really appreciative that they're laughing and everybody's just going to take a great big sigh because it's like, wow, this presentation might actually be interesting versus the browbeating that 99% of them are. And I think part of it goes into you have to be confident in yourself. I think that is sometimes what holds salespeople back from being their authentic selves is they're always thinking about, okay, I have to make sure I do this step and yeah. this step, and I got to make sure I put it into my sales force or whatever CRM I'm using. I got to make sure I CC my manager so I don't get in trouble. You have all these little ticky-tack items that salespeople get stuck with. But instead of focusing on, and I'd say this to all my sales team, whenever I, I hire a new person, I say, listen, we're going to focus on you know sales training. We're going to focus on the, the text and specs. But at the end of the day, the number one thing I'm concerned about and the thing I want to make sure that we're always improving on is I want you to be a better person from where you are today to where you're going to be. Because that in in seeing the confidence level increase in not just what they know from a sales and, and the, the text and specs, but just that they can do this and they yeah. feel that they can do this. Then you kind of don't have to dig into the, the inner workings of your, your mind of, okay, this is what's the next thing I have to worry about. Right. Now you can just Focus on what's the goal. The goal is yeah. to help solve that problem, and then it gets a lot easier. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Your business gets better when you get better, right? Nobody nobody goes home at five um, and turns into a rock star, right? I mean, you go home at five, and you're kind of the same person you are at 24-7, 365. So, you know, you find me somebody who's, you know, uh, a good listener. You find uh, – show me somebody who's great at follow-up. You show me somebody who's genuinely interested in others. You show me somebody who's got a lot of curiosity. Hey, you know what? We got a fighting chance. We'll probably we'll probably be able to sell some stuff. <laughs> well, how about this? I know we have about five minutes here as we get ready to wrap up the show. So what I like to do at the end of the conversation is I always like to do a, a quick connection to the world of politics. And, and I think – this is, and I actually discussed this with Victor Antonio when he was on the show, is we're not selling a solution. You're not selling an item or a service. You're selling change. And in the world of politics, it's very difficult to, to actually sell change when you're selling what you think people need versus what they actually want. And I think you see a lot of politicians or even just your, your average politico, they will tell people what they need to be concerned about. But Tim, is it, am I wrong that if they just maybe, Hey, said, what's wrong? What's, what, what are your issues that they might tell them? You know, we've, we've kind of lost our way just a little bit. Cause when I look at it, I, I don't even think. And, and and I'm I'm not a uh, I I don't spend a lot of my energy and effort um, for obvious reasons I would hope but you know when I look at it it's it's never tell me about the good things you're gonna do I always see it as being uh, the platforms are always like the other person is a bigger idiot than I am so therefore you should vote for me yep. <laughs> which I've always found to be fat you know nobody ever shows up and says look. You know, we've talked to the people. This is what we've heard from the people. You know, we've, we've prioritized these things. And you know what? We can't be all things to all people, but but we're going to try to do the, the most for the most. And here's the things we've heard and here's our plans to fix them. And, I, you know, that would just be so refreshing to know that somebody actually has listened and cares and has a plan of action versus um, some of the hyperbole that we're listening to. 
Tim, I can't agree more. So how about this? Let's go ahead. I want you to uh, have the last uh, word here for the show. So what I'd like to do is give my guests uh, a platform to, to really anything on your mind. Is there anything you would wish that folks could take away from the uh, not just the episode today, but just overall in the world of sales, maybe specifically looking at the art of asking great questions uh, for the audience? You know, if, if I would leave them with something, and, and this is an old, old adage, you just always got to remember uh, that, that, that the less you try to sell, the more you're going to sell, right? And so work on your craft. You know, I'm an engineer that now after four decades has the great fortune to teach organizations across the globe how to do a better job of selling. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. But if any of the things I said resonate, man, if you don't have a target list, there's your first step. If you don't have a compelling story, there's your second step. If you don't understand the art of follow-up, there's, you know, the next step. If you don't understand how to manage the conversation, how to ask the right kinds of questions, because if you if you don't win the first call, you're not going to get the second call. When I say win, win being that when that client when that prospect gets off the phone, they're like, wow, that was really a good use of my time. That's what we should be striving for versus this smile and dial, try to find somebody with a pulse and push your wares. I mean, it's it's really problem solving. And if more of us would do a better job of problem solving, um, we could probably do an awful lot for what people think of salespeople today. Because I think you've got like politicians and then salespeople. And I'd like to see some differentiation if I had anything at all to do with it. I'll give you a real life example, Tim, um, of something. I, so I lead my sales team and I like to get in the trenches because I, I, how can I train if I don't know what's actually going on? So I was doing calls. It was back actually last Friday. And uh, I got this gentleman on the phone uh, up in, in upstate New York, uh, pretty large law firm. And uh, just from the onset, I could tell he was not in a good mood. And um, he just, you know, oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. And I, I, I literally stopped. I said, and he goes, yeah. I said, what's up? Like, it, it, what, what, what's, what did I do wrong? And he goes, oh, not nothing. And I said, okay, well, I, I just, if I, if I caught you at that time, no worries. Like we can, we can reconnect. And he goes, oh no, it's, it's not you. It's just like, I, I, I literally can't do anything. And I was like, oh, tell me. And he explained how his company was recently acquired and he uh. was kind of waiting to see whether or not he was going to have a job. Um, because they were going to be doing some downsizing and he knew the IT department was one of the possible areas they were going to go ahead and have it absorbed into the big company. I said, listen, I get it. Like, I, I'm not going to try to force you to, to take a, a phone call with me if you're trying to think about your, your job future. So here, you know, at the very least, if anything happens where, you know, you end up figuring out what the next steps are at this company, let's go ahead and have a conversation in the future. We'll go from there. If not, no worries. I said he appreciated that. And, and I, was stunned that about 15, 20 minutes later, he added me on LinkedIn. He goes, thank you for understanding. Talk soon. Yeah. Well, you gave him the opportunity to say no. And I think that's one of the more powerful things you can do as a salesperson. I, I, I sometimes use the, um, it's probably not a very good example, but oftentimes salespeople want to put somebody on the pipeline bus and then they weld shut the doors and the windows, right? No, you can't get off the bus. And what you did there is like, hey, man, I'm, I'm getting the feeling this is not the right time. You're not interested. I, I don't want to waste your time. Uh, that's when you find it out. You know, that's where you make the real connection. You find out who really wants to talk to you. But even if they don't want to talk to you, you left him with a very positive impression. Job and well done. now we have a possible next step because God forbid, God forbid that Bill loses his job because of this issue. I know for a fact when the time comes that he lands on his feet, and if I can help him, I will do that too, um, right. that he'll likely reach out. And yeah. it's not a matter of 
it's not, and this is the, drives me crazy too, Tim. I know we, we're short on time here, but it's not a matter of the what's in it for me, right? Like I'm not looking for that sale. It's it's a mutually beneficial relationship. If if he's down his luck, I'm helping him find an opportunity, and in return, I'm now bringing services that are going to help him thrive, help him succeed, and help him have job security in the future. Because when it comes down to it, who who's going to get the the thumbs up? It's not me. It's him. He's the yeah. one who brought me in as the, the person that he's going to say, yeah, these guys can do this. Exactly. So that's that's where you win. So, Tim, I know we're short on time. So how about this? Let's go ahead for the audio listener. Where can they go ahead and uh, follow you if they want to go ahead and continue the conversation? You know, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, check out the website. Call the office. I still answer my own phone. So uh, Um Or like I said, hit me up on LinkedIn. I try to post on LinkedIn every week. So there's a lot of stuff out there that's been curated. And if any of it seems to scratch an itch, pick up the phone. Let's have a call. Awesome. And uh, folks, we'll make it easy for you. Go to your podcast catcher. Click the artwork there. It'll bring you right to briannicholshow.com where you can catch today's episode with the entire transcription, plus all of Tim's social media links and all 370 plus other episodes. With that being said, though, Tim, walk all the art of asking great questions. Thanks for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you. Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel check out the rest of the amazing proud libertarian store while you're over there and be sure to use code tbns at checkout to get 10 percent off your entire order that's right 10 percent off your entire order from proud libertarian including everything over at the brian nichols show shop and all you have to use is code tbns at checkout one more time head to brian show.com forward slash shop and check out the brand new brian nichols show store over at proud libertarian and use code tbns at checkout for 10 percent off your entire order. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Tim Wackel. If you enjoyed the episode, well, please do me a favor and go ahead, number one, give it a share, but number two, I want you to go ahead and share it specifically with someone who you think could use what we talked about today and get some value from it, specifically about asking great questions. And also, if you enjoyed the episode, well, of course, when you share it, make sure you go ahead and uh, give yours truly a tag at B. Nichols Liberty and go ahead and give Tim some love as well. Also, with that being said, folks, thank you to everyone who's joined us for, yes, all six episodes here this week. And wrapping things up tomorrow, you are going to hear the audio version of what just aired on Thursday evening over on Cell Liberty. We had D.L. Cummings on the program Sitting down with Jeremy Todd over on Cell Liberty and what an absolutely phenomenal conversation. So make sure you've hit that like button over on Facebook so you're not missing a single time that Jeremy goes live with an absolutely phenomenal guest. And speaking of phenomenal guests, yes, thank you again to the one and only Tim Wackel. That being said, that's all I have for you. So it's Brian Nichols signing off for Tim Wackel. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. 
The Brian Nittle Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Megowitz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.